0: Hi, welcome to the Laravel.io podcast. My name is Nyla O'Brien. I'm joined here today by Taylor Rotwell, the creator of Laravel, and Sean McCool. Taylor, would you like to say hello?
1: Hey, guys. Uh, this is Taylor, the creator of Laravel. Uh, I almost said Laravel 4, but uh, Laravel, all versions. <laughs> I'm from <laughs> Arkansas, United States, and uh, I'm excited to talk about Laravel. Great. Sean?
2: Hi, I'm Sean. I don't have a subtitle. I'm... Uh, helping organize the Laracon uh, in Amsterdam, and I've been a community member for quite a while.
0: That's great. And my name is Niall O'Brien. I'm based in the southeast of Ireland. I've been a Laravel user for a while. I'm a web developer, and I love being part of the community. Okay, so to start off, uh, we all agree that we really want this podcast to be a community-driven effort. So if anyone uh, wants to participate in any way they can, please do get in touch with me on IRC or on Twitter, um, any input that we can get from the community is really great. This is the very first episode we're putting out, and we're putting it out to coincide with the release of Laravel 4. So um, to jump straight into it, we're going to start talking about Laravel 4. So Taylor, would you mind telling us a little um, about Laravel
1: 4 and how it differs from previous versions? Sure. So Laravel 4, um, well, let me let me start with Laravel 3. We released Laravel 3. And um, I think it was May or so, May or June of last year. So it's been about a year since we've had a a big release. And when I released Laravel 3, I already had a lot of the ideas in mind for Laravel 4 um, and how we could make the framework more powerful and flexible, um, how we could have more testability, because these were all things um, people were wanting when we released even back... Uh, With Laravel 1, 2, and 3, you know, people wanted to be able to customize almost any part of the framework. They wanted like hardcore testability stuff, um, you know, and just more kind of power user features. And at the same time, I needed to maintain the kind of um, accessibility and ease of use that the framework was already popular for. So when the framework first came out, uh, I sort of made it. Kind of like Sinatra with Laravel 1. It was just like super simple routing and filters. There weren't even any controllers. Um, you know, it was just a really basic form of Eloquent, and there was none of this fancy stuff that we have now, like Q and all kinds of artisan generations and stuff like that. So uh, as time went on, you know, we started adding more uh, features that made sense, like controllers and uh, uh, more unit testing stuff. And with Laravel 4, I think we, what we've done is we've kind of, on the surface, you can use it just like Laravel 3. So like the routing, the filters, you know, even controllers, all sort of look the exact same. All the basic stuff like sessions and caching and pulling from stuff from a database, that all works essentially the same. Except it's all vastly different under the hood in the sense that we've introduced a lot more uh, powerful back-end stuff with the IOC container, which kind of drives the entire framework now. Um, we're using quite a bit more Symfony components to, to kind of take the weight off of people who work on the framework. We don't have to maintain some of that boilerplate code like abstracting HTTP requests and stuff like that. And uh, we're also adopting a few other community packages like SwiftMail or monologue that have become kind of de facto standards in the PHP community for what people are using. So we're embracing the wider community and introducing this uh, powerful new set of functionality while at the same time uh maintaining the same you know clean short syntax and ease of use that we've had in prior versions of the framework
0: yeah i've definitely found that to be the case Um, myself i would consider myself still very much a, a new php framework user and when i started playing with laravel 3 um, I found that the transition to Laravel four wasn't that difficult at all. As you said, the routing was the same, controllers were pretty much the same models, so it wasn't a huge jump. And that was before there was even documentation. So, I mean, you can learn so much from
1: just the source code alone.
2: Yeah, and and the documentation is a lot better in four too. I, I think, um, especially lately.
1: Yeah, yeah and and we've even got still quite a few pull requests in to the docs before Tuesday. So. I mean, there's like I know Sean has written a section on facades, which is going to going to be going in and a few other sections to flush it out. And I plan to revisit those as well, which kind of brings up, you know, when Laravel first came out, um, Laravel one, I knew that like documentation was totally going to be king. It was like going to make or break the entire framework because um, some other frameworks had come out like had come out before that that were pretty good, but the documentation was so lacking, like they could never gain any traction. And even though Laravel had less features and was less powerful at the time, the documentation, I think, was what really birthed the whole community because, because I was basing it on CodeIgniter's documentation, which is so thorough.
0: Uh, that's true because I was, when I was looking at frameworks, my choices at the time before I discovered Laravel were either you know, Yi or CodeIgniter, and I started playing with Ruby on Rails quite a bit, and the documentation is fantastic, and I still refer to it. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, but then when I found Laravel, I was like, oh, this is great. Because I'd already been playing with Rails, there was a lot more similarities between Laravel and Rails than there were with Laravel and CodeIgniter, I thought.
2: Isn't it funny how you can use Rails documentation uh, to help people with problems <laughs> with other frameworks?
1: Yeah, yeah, especially like polymorphic relations and stuff like that. That's
0: exactly what I use it for. <laughs> okay, and so you mentioned uh, using a lot of uh, Symfony components. So can you tell us a little about how that is completely different from how Laravel 3 was structured?
1: Okay, so in Laravel 3, we actually already used one Symfony component. If I remember right, we used HTTP Foundation. And uh, for those who may not know, Symfony. You know, so a lot of people think about Symfony as a full-stack framework, but it's also a set of components, kind of like Laravel 4 is a set of components. And one of those components is HTTP foundation, which just kind of abstracts HTTP requests and responses. So for, like, getting the... Uh, For example, getting the URI of a request is really easy. We can just ask Symfony to give it to us. And there's really just a lot of nuance uh, edge cases and boilerplate stuff that goes into that. And I really just don't want to maintain that because one one of the things I try to do is focus on the areas where Laravel is unique. So, like, parsing HTTP is not an area where frameworks are unique. Like, there's one right way to do it, and you know, all other ways are basically wrong. Like it's either correct or not. So, um, Symphony's, you know, really widely used and well tested. So we went with that and we also use symphony for our new artisan console, which is like vastly improved. We actually have like help screens and, uh, you know, a listing of all the available commands. And uh, if you get a command wrong, it's like, Oh, I don't know that command, but did you mean this? You know? So it's a, it's a lot better, uh, we also use, let's see, we use Symfony uh, Browser Kit and HTTP kernel, CSS Selector, DOM Crawler, and all four of those are really just to support um, testing. So you can like easily test your controllers. You can um, fill out forms and click buttons. And that's even more expressive now that we have uh, the Codeception guys have released a Laravel 4 module for their stuff, which kind of sits on top of all that. Uh, so I think we use six or seven in total. We also use the routing component. And that just takes a little bit of weight off my shoulders uh, on the HTTP and routing stuff. And then also with logging and Swift mailer, because in particular email would be a total pain for us to write ourselves. So I think that's been good because it's let me focus on the things where Larryville is really unique. Like for instance, our ORM and migration layer, I think is pretty top notch in PHP for that style of ORM and that style of migrations. And You know, there's no other component I could use in its place, and I had to put a lot of time into that. So the less time I have to worry about, you know, other boilerplate stuff, the more I can put into, you know, some of the cooler features of Laravel, like Eloquent or or Blade or something like that.
0: And I suppose a lot of new users are going to find it uh, a little difficult coming to Composer. Um, You know, Rails has, uh, Ruby has gems, you know, Node, NPM. So for people coming from Laravel 3 to Laravel 4, um, do you have anything planned really to help uh, deal with Composer and merging in the changes and stuff? Because at the moment for support, everyone seems to have that question.
1: Yeah, so with Laravel 3, when it first came out, Composer was you know obviously a year younger, and it was less obvious at the time that it was going to get the adoption that it has now. Like, It was mainly the symphony ecosystem was using composer and packages and it wasn't clear if that was going to remain kind of their walled garden or if that was going to be something that was widely adopted and you know over the past year it's become like pretty obvious that everyone's putting their stuff on composer or on packages and using composer so it has a lot of benefits over the laravel 3 bundle system in that you know it handles the auto loading it handles versions um and just a lot of other uh, cool stuff you can do with it. You can even install pair packages through it, which is pretty crazy. And uh, as far as moving from bundles to uh, package composer packages, a lot of the most popular bundles were things like uh, SwiftMailer, OAuth, stuff that's already on packages. So usually, uh, usually transitioning over is not that bad. And even like the most popular bundle, which I think was the SwiftMailer bundle, is integrated basically into the framework with our new mail send uh, syntax. So I looked over actually before we made the switch to Composer. I looked at all the packages, all the most popular, like top most, most popular 25 or 50 packages to make sure that uh, we would be able to have something equivalent on packages when we moved over.
0: Great. And uh, in terms of new features in Laravel 4, are there any in particular that you're really proud of for
1: Oh gosh, I I actually forget about new features in Laravel four because I've been working on it so long, and there's actually just so much new stuff. But, yeah. um, I think, uh, let's see, I think Eloquent like even though the syntax is really similar, the architecture is so much better, and um, I, I'm really I really like the new Eloquent collection stuff where you can just say like to JSON from a an array basically of Eloquent objects and get. It makes it so fast to build APIs and stuff. Yeah, um, the collection our, stuff is big. Yeah, that's that's really cool. And there's, I think we can even... You know, people add cool methods to that all the time through pull requests, uh, just that base collection class. And then also, I really like the queue stuff just because yeah. that's kind of an interesting topic. Um, you started playing with
0: that recently, Sean, didn't you? The queues?
2: Yeah, what I think is interesting about Laravel is when um, some things add, like queues, all of a sudden... Uh, a, whole, a bunch of people just start adopting this into their into their website. So so yeah. it's it's like we you know we we didn't use this technology before and it, it was there but we didn't use it and and now Laravel incorporates it and so it's suddenly it's like Laravel is kind of like a, a trendsetter in a certain part of the of the PHP world.
0: Yeah, I mean um, me myself, I even went off and, and got a dedicated box or what you know in cloud just so I could play with queues uh, and, and background workers a whole lot. Um, but then I see Taylor. You, then after I've done all that, you have uh, been playing with the IronMQ push queues.
1: Yeah, I, and I think that's uh, that's a kind of a nice feature for people who may not have like the server admin skills to run the workers reliably. And they just want like a, a faster user experience for something like sending an email, something pretty basic. The push queues are awesome for that because there's no there's no administration on your part. You can basically run that on like a cheap shared host, more or less. Taylor,
2: um, with uh, the composer JSON file with uh, the Laravel framework, are you going to when you release it stable? Are you going to specifically uh, declare version numbers for each dependency so that when you uh, do a composer install. It's not installing the most recent version. It's installing a specific version.
1: Yeah. So how that works is when you make a, when Laravel four comes out on Tuesday, basically there will be a four dot branch on Laravel framework and composer, or I should say packages. I always say the wrong word, but packages will actually detect that. And when you have four dot dot X in your composer.json, you're going to be pulling from only that branch and if you notice in the, in the composer.json file right now, we have that branch alias section of Laravel framework. And that's how we're kind of setting that up before we actually make that branch. And so on Tuesday, everyone will already be on 4.0.x because that's what's in the composer file. And going forward, they'll only get like stable updates from that 4.0 branch. Now, also on Tuesday, like the very same day we release, we will up that branch alias to 4.1.x. And so like on Tuesday, you could actually go in and change your Laravel framework dependency to 4.1.x if you wanted to like keep writing that bleeding edge of updates. Or, you know, if you're most likely you're building apps for clients or something, you're just going to stay on 4.0.x and it's going to be fewer updates because it's just going to be bug fixes to 4.0. And all the new development will be on the 4.1 or the master branch. Uh, if you look at that's similar to how symphony does their stuff and uh, a lot of other frameworks. So that'd be kind of nice because the people who really love just like new features constantly can go ahead and bump up on Tuesday to four dot one dot X and write it that whole six month development period until November when it comes out uh, or uh, you know, the people who want more stability uh, just stay on four dot O does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect.
0: Um so in terms of uh the community and what you would like to see um going forward, uh for example, I, I think Jeffrey Wade's been doing a great job over on on, on Tots Plus with the amount of Larval Four content he's been coming out with before it's even official. Um what would you like to see from the community to help um to help you as such?
1: Uh I really love the screencast that Jeffrey does uh, I like reading the blog articles that people put out a lot of times I uh, I see things that even I haven't you know thought of or just the other day I actually googled like how to do something in Laravel which was pretty weird that was the first time I've ever done that like I googled I think how to or setting up like Amazon RDS with Laravel 4 and uh, so that was pretty crazy you know like I'm actually looking to the community myself sometimes to see how they're doing certain things in Laravel which is a uh, pretty neat, you know, uh, we have a wide variety of people that are like super dedicated to the framework and uh it's really awesome to see, you know, people be so passionate about it and then try to spread their knowledge of the framework to uh to people who are just coming in uh, and also more advanced topics.
0: Okay, and so um what about people then coming back to PHP or people who have already turned their backs on PHP and think of it as this horrible, ugly language when they may have only dealt with WordPress or something or, like that.
2: Or, or, or maybe like, uh, sorry to interrupt, but maybe what, what would you say to somebody who is thinking um, negatively about PHP? Because this is kind of a common topic. Like if, if, you're, if you're working on something, something's frustrating, so, you know, it's not unusual for somebody to say, oh, PHP sucks or, or whatever. Um, how, how would you respond to that, Taylor?
1: Um, I think PHP has changed a lot in the last few years. And usually the people that I see saying that aren't even aware of the new stuff that's gone on in PHP, because sometimes I'll see, you know, some kind of forum thread or something where PHP is getting bashed and someone points out like, oh, PHP has, you know, anonymous functions, namespaces, traits. And they're like, wow, I had no idea that, you know, PHP had all this stuff. And PHP itself, you know, does have uh, some quirks, but, with something like Laravel, usually you don't even have to think about uh, a lot of that stuff. And I mean, in some ways, PHP and Laravel is ahead of even the Ruby uh, frameworks, which I guess is mainly just Rails and um, a- and other environments. With our, with like for instance, the Q stuff which we talked about earlier, that's something that you know is going to be in Rails four, but we're going to have that out before before they even have that available. so And especially the push queues, which they, as far as I know, is not baked in. So there's a lot, in a lot of ways, You know, we're pushing the envelope even further in terms of innovation uh, at the framework level.
0: Yeah, and I think what's great then as well is, uh, especially with Laravel 4, pushing, uh, pushing testing to the forefront because Rails developers yeah. love their testing. Um, so I yeah. think in terms of pushing that forward, I think it will really help um, enterprise adoption as well.
2: Yeah, it's not. It's not just um, Rails developers who love testing. Like everybody's out there uh, testing, and I think the web yeah. develop, web development as an industry. I mean, it has it has that in in like the more enterprise sectors, like the the .NET and um, you know naturally Rails, but like uh, PHP, it, it has this uh, this legacy components of all these developers who have been around pushing so much PHP code that. You know, unless they're dedicated to, to staying at the forefront of things or, or pushing, uh, you know, pushing the envelope, that they're they're probably doing things the same way that they were doing them in the early 2000s, right? Um, but I think the, the kind of the cool thing is now you can kind of feel the tides changing, and and all these developers are are realizing, hey, it, you know, if we're testing, then that that helps us out a lot that makes our our workload easier and and you can see it in the community everybody's kind of scrambling to get a good grasp on what's going on so it it really feels like 2013 is like the year of awkward php testing and i think 2014 is going to be a really solid a really solid year
1: yeah I, i think with some of these these new uh tools we're getting around testing like with uh you know, people are experimenting more with, like, Behat and uh, the behavior-driven development stuff. And then we have, you know, Mockery, which makes mocking a lot easier. And I, th- I think we'll see more of those tools, like, over the next year or so. But also what, what's crazy to me is just, like, how the whole language of people that talk about PHP has changed. And the Laravel community as well. Like, and now it's, like, common knowledge to see people talking about injecting dependencies, mocking stuff, testing and even, even like in Rails, I don't think they even have that emphasis of like clean separation of concerns. You know what I mean? Like I could see a lot of people just sprinkling Active Record everywhere. And, and there's not really that drive to get this like clean, solid design. And the crazy thing is I'm seeing that a lot more in PHP, you know, even just in the past six months, way more of that than I ever expected to see
2: yeah it's really exploding it really is it's it's uh you can see it in in our community and you can see it in, in other like uh i go to amsterdam php meetups and uh, those guys are are great they're on top of everything and uh you can really you can really feel that there's a lot of excitement people are are really happy to be doing what they're doing and uh learning new things so it, it's it, it's almost like you know for for a year like i I've, I've been doing web development for for too long and for a long time, things were really just about how can we just get things done so that we can make money and, and push other products. And uh, now it, there's, there seems to be more craftsmanship involved.
0: Do you think that's what will perhaps elevate Laravel above some of the other frameworks and help PHP in general?
1: Uh, I think it will be a combination of that and at the same time, it's, so, it's still so accessible. Like, someone can jump in and make a quick route And even authenticate so fast, you know, just as fast as they could in Laravel 1 still, that I think that's going to be the real attraction. And then, like we've talked about before, and I know we talked about uh, this, Sean, at Laravel US, where Laravel is very much a framework that grows with you. So, like, uh, let's take, for example, Symphony, who I don't want to dog on them because we use so many of their components, but you have to start at kind of a high level to use Symphony, Like you have to understand quite a bit uh, just to do something basic, like authenticate someone takes quite a bit of, um, you know, config setup and know-how. Whereas with Laravel, it's like super fast. I mean, you can just look at the documentation and understand how it works in a, in a few minutes probably, or at least get a working example, even if you don't understand everything. And the, the cool thing is you can do that while at the same time, other developers are talking about like, you know, Injecting stuff into controllers, background cues, mocking, uh, functional testing, while all of the same framework. So you have this like super, you can have these power users that are just like milking every, you know, uh, piece of flexibility out of the framework. While at the same time, someone's just happy that they could get off set up really easily. So we're appealing to such a wide variety of people, I think, is what makes this unique among frameworks and why I think that Laravel probably will be. You know, or it will become kind of the de facto framework over the next year or two, is because just the wide appeal we're going to have, both to power users and to uh, people who are still kind of just, I don't care, I want to get stuff done as fast as possible. You know, just yeah. get me set up.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people, and you know, Sean has helped me uh, a load as well as I've been learning. But then, as you've been pushing more features uh, into Laravel four. I kind of get sidetracked, uh, and I'm like, "Oh no, I'm really still at the start of what it is I'm doing." But I really have to play with these cues right now just to see how fun they are. And that has yeah. been great. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I think the the fact that like Laravel grows with you is, is similar to um, a, another interesting uh, thing that has been discussed lately in the community, which is how how Laravel is kind of a a, a good implementation uh, of PHP in the way that PHP is a multiple paradigm language. You have, uh, you know, imperative uh, development and you have object oriented um, code. And, and uh, Laravel really seems to kind of say, well, you know, what tools do we have our, at our disposal? What you know, jobs do we need to get done? How, how can we leverage these tools in, in a way that, you know, we're getting the most out of what PHP can offer to, to, to to finish these jobs, it it really seems like it it makes sense that, um, you know, some some aspects of PHP some some people might not think are great, but uh, Laravel uh, leverages them in an interesting way. For example, the the fact that the routing is is done, um, you know, with imperative code as opposed to with a configuration file.
1: Yeah, yeah, and PHP is PHP is such a. Uh... You know, uh, get stuff done type of language. You just make a script and throw it up on some server through like old school FTP. And um, I think Laravel plays to that strength, like you said, but it also uh, plays to more. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you would say. Uh, you know, powerful type feature sets. Yeah. So I, I think Laravel, Laravel or PHP developers have kind of been viewed in the past. I think as just kind of you know kind of rough-around-the-edges script kids who don't really know what they're talking about. And I think in the community and through some of the Laravel stuff, we're kind of elevating that bar higher and higher with what people are considering, you know, basic knowledge. You know, like knowing about dependency injection is becoming more and more uh, as kind of a basic understanding of things and not so much uh, like super esoteric, uh, high-level thing that only a few people understand
0: and I see it a lot more commonplace now as well, that people are more inclined to use other technologies where they feel they really do fit. So, yeah. for example, if it's asset compilation or anything like that, okay, I'm going to install nodes and you know, have, uh, and maybe some Ruby gems and have them watch my file system and compile yeah. my stuff on the spot. Um, I don't think that was so prevalent in the past.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay, well, thanks very much for all of that information on Laravel Four, Taylor. Um, we're all really looking forward to Tuesday, and it's going to be awesome. So, so Tuesday
2: is what the twenty eighth?
1: Yeah, May twenty eighth, which is also my birthday. <laughs> well, happy happy. happy it's happy birthday, my birthday Taylor. gift to uh, birthday <laughs> gift to the Laravel community, I guess.
2: Awesome. And, and your and your gift in return is to take a take a few days off.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, Sean. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about Laracon EU?
2: Okay, sure. So uh, in February, uh, Taylor and Userscape put on Laracon in Washington, D.C., uh, and that was a, a really great uh, conference. This, the talks were good. The being able to, to meet and interact with everyone was was great. Um, everyone had a great time. It was well organized, and so when we got done with that conference, we were thinking uh, we have so so much of the Laravel community is actually based out of Europe. Uh, there are, are a significant amount of people in Holland, in um, Great Britain, um, just just all over Europe, and, and and these people were not able to attend this event, and so we were thinking, well, what if we tried to stagger uh, con- con- conferences? So. The, the American conferences uh, happen at one time of the year and a European conference happens you know, half a year later. So that made us realize that if we're actually going to make this happen, we need to start planning immediately. So we started working. We started looking for speakers, uh, finding venues. Uh, we built a team to, to, to organize all of this. And I, we're kind of at this point now where we just put tickets up for sale. We have all the speakers lined up. We have the venue secured, we know what all of our costs are, and kind of we're just waiting for for people to buy tickets and to see you know what the financial outcome looks like, so we can see what you know how much room we have to play and how much uh, more we can put into into you know making the conference really memorable and, and I'm really uh very very proud of the conference uh that we're we've put together uh it it's actually a, a lot nicer than I even intended it that, that it would be when we started. Um but I have a really great team, Jeroen Heritz from um he lives in Amsterdam and uh Mitchell and uh Nick Spelt and they have been amazing um spending a lot of their time volunteering to help put this thing together. Um I, I'm personally surprised that we got such a great speaker lineup which we'll be announcing very soon. We have a really cool set of talks um, that we, we kind of, you know, we had a, a lot of uh, a significant amount of interest. When we first were, were trying to decide, is this is this a viable thing to do? Is this event even something that we could sell tickets to? Um, we got 550 results, almost entirely from people in Europe, and almost all of them said, "Yes, I will definitely buy a ticket." So. You know, with, with, with that knowledge, uh, we, we were just like, okay, let's go ahead and, and get started. So, um, we also had a lot of uh, a good speakers uh, submit talk abstracts, and you know, while I I, I really wish that we could come up with an, with an event that could fit all of the great talks that people you know submitted, um, we kind of decided just you know, this is the first conference that, that we're organizing out here. Let's lock it down to two days, um, August thirtieth and thirty first, and let's make sure that, um, <laughs> you know, we're not in in a, a big financial liability situation. Let's make sure that we can sell all the tickets and and um, and I, I think the conference is going to be really good. It's going to be a, a little little bit larger than twice the amount of tickets sold as the DC conference if, if things go well, and uh, we have. Uh, a, a, a ton of, of great people showing up uh, from from the community. Just off the top of my head, I don't want to you know forget anybody specific, but we have Jason Lewis, Phil Sparks, Dale Reese. Um, we have just a, a lot of people who are living out here who who are well known in the community who who put a bunch of their time in uh, showing up, and and it's going to be really great. I think.
0: People coming from Australia, U.S.
2: Australia, United States, Great Britain, uh, India, just all over the place.
0: Okay, and you said you um, have uh, the speakers confirmed, etc. Are you able to tell us a little bit about uh, some of their um, uh, topics that they proposed?
2: Right, so um, uh, choosing speakers and choosing topics, it it, it was a, a very important task. We really wanted to make sure that and I'm I'm very serious when I say this. We wanted to make sure that the talks were valuable to people who are not just Laravel developers, not just a very specific group of people. So if you're a web developer who doesn't even use PHP, we want 85% of the talks to be relevant and valuable to you. So um, we do have a lot of Laravel-specific stuff, but it's all specifically chosen to cross boundaries in a way that it's going to be, you know, you know, valuable information uh, to the people who are attending and to the people who later are able to uh, watch the recordings online.
0: Yeah, I think the difference between Laravel three and how Laravel four is now actually helps with that as well, because Laravel four can do so much more now. It you know it really is making people having to learn so much more, and and it's not just all about PHP anymore.
2: Yeah, and similarly, uh, there's the composer aspect. So uh, we have, uh, for example, a talk about making framework agnostic packages using service providers. Um, So that's one of the more technical talks, uh, but that's that's relevant to anyone who's uh, out there using, uh, creating packages uh, in an object-oriented way. It's just it doesn't matter what language you're using. It's it, it's valuable knowledge, and uh, we have uh, a, an, a couple talks on testing, and we have um, some programming fundamentals talks, and uh, it, it's it's I'm I'm just very excited about the speaker list. It's something that we're going to put up on the laricon.eu website soon. Uh, it's just that we have to you know verify these speakers and get them all all lined up
0: and just to confirm that's where people can go buy tickets now laracon.eu
2: yeah laracon.eu we have tickets for sale uh right now we're selling early bird tickets so Great. we have a like a, a 40 50 euro discount on tickets right now and that uh, you know the benefit of, of early bird tickets is we can see earlier on how, you know what kind of money we have to use to put towards the event so
0: Great.
2: go out and uh grab those tickets uh, <laughs> and you know help us out and we can turn that we can turn that revenue into a better event Great. for you to attend.
0: And so for people that have never visited Amsterdam, would you mind uh, telling us a bit about what they could expect and in the terms very of first travel accommodation, et cetera?
2: Yeah, the very first thing I want to say is everyone in Amsterdam speaks English. It, it's just it's a non-issue. Um, as a matter of fact, you'll walk into a cafe and you'll, you'll want to buy a coffee and somebody will speak to you in an American accent saying, how can I help you? And it's just—it's just an incredibly international city. And you know, I, I spent two years here practicing my Dutch. Uh, I, I live in a city like twenty-five minute train train right away. I go to Amsterdam, and it's like a completely different place. I just speak English because that's how people address me immediately. You know, I don't have to um, work with Dutch at all. So, so uh, just to alleviate any fears, uh, the conference will be entirely English. The city. English everything is English so don't worry about that um, but Amsterdam is is it's an amazing place it's it, it's historically an incredibly important trade hub um, and you know the East India trading company and, and so like the golden age of Holland it was it, it, Amsterdam was so important for international trade uh, and you can kind of really see it in the city and and the city is incredibly historic. Um, it's, it's beautiful just to be there.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can get lost there. Myself and my girlfriend, when we were there, we just spent hours just walking. (laughs) Yeah. And in part really
2: when, when we're organizing this thing, we're thinking about, you know, what are the strengths that we have? And one of them is the, the value of the, of the city alone. So, um, we're really kind of trying to set this up like the venue when, when the speakers are talking, you will see, um. And for, you know the the venue's elevated, high high in the air, and you'll be able to see the city actively uh, behind the speakers with trains going by, and it's just beautiful. It's gorgeous. Uh, the venue uh, is, is this location called Bim House. It's a it's like a jazz music uh, venue, but it, it's just it's um, it's perfect for for our needs. Uh, the seats are comfortable. There's enough of them. They all have a great view. The speakers are going to be very comfortable. Um, the sound system is fantastic, so we're going to get some really high-quality re- recordings to put up on the site uh, later once we get them all edited and worked out. We have a really good crew uh, who's going to do HD recordings of all the talks, and uh, that's going to that's gonna be really great. Uh, and we're, we're just really working hard to take all of the things that made Laracon in Washington, D.C. great and kind of take them... Uh, to the next level so that when uh Taylor and, and his, you know his team goes to make the next Laracon they're going to have to they're going to have to compete with us.
0: <laughs> okay uh so even from being in Amsterdam myself um in terms of hotels accommodation etc uh last time I was there we did stay a small bit outside the city but it was only a small train journey um what do you uh, recommend to people attending the conference uh, to do in terms of accommodation?
2: Sure. The first thing to say about that is that the uh, mass transit system is fantastic. The trains are great. The buses, the tram, it's it's really great. And there is a free phone app that can tell you, hey, how do I get from here to here? And it tells you exactly how to get there using the mass transit system. Um, so that said, um, Amsterdam, the center where where – you know the, in the heart of Amsterdam, where the venue is and everything there is not exactly a, a large you know a bunch of large hotels with uh, you know a ton of rooms uh, that that we can just say hey let 's get a group right at this hotel and have two hundred attendees you know get get rooms here but there are a number of very good options, and we 've worked very hard to make this um, uh, we work very hard on this aspect because it, it, it's very important to us. Uh, we think it's really important to the people who are, who are coming to attend that they have a you know a relatively easy to set up uh, good place to stay. Hmm. And we're going to post more information about this very soon on the website. But there are a number of really good options. Uh, it'll be very easy for individuals to go and find a, a room and reserve a room in the city in the center near the venue. Um, in addition. We very much encourage people to kind of get to know each other in the community and and share a place with them. And, and you know, when doing that, you could use Airbnb, which is this really great way to kind of rent somebody's uh, home that, you know, they don't live in. They just rent it out here and there, kind of like a hotel, uh, very affordable rates. And they can rent that out and share it with, with some people. There are hostels. There are, you know, like I said, traditional hotels. You can go and find a reservation without too much trouble at all. And uh, uh, in addition to that, there are – like a five-minute train ride out of the center, there are like more traditional large hotels that can be used. So uh, very soon, uh, our – you know the information that we have gathered will be available on, on the website uh, for the conference, Laricon.eu. And in that, we're going to give examples of hotels that can be used that are actually – at the airport, so if you're flying internationally, you can just stay at the airport and, you know, seven minutes on a train and you're at the central station of Amsterdam where you can just walk five minutes to the venue. Um, but there, there are a lot of, yeah, There, it, it's it's a pretty cool situation because no matter what you end up doing, you have a really uh, a, a pleasant situation to be in.
0: Yeah. Sounds great. Really can't wait for it. Um, so then, uh, just to tie in with Laravel.io, which uh, you released earlier this year, um, can you tell us a little bit what, about what you're doing there and what your future plans for the website are? Yeah.
2: We, we, A couple of us in the community kind of decided there should just be a community portal. So we, we built a site and we didn't know what it would be. And we started writing blog posts or I started writing blog posts. And um, I, I really enjoyed it because it gave us an, a, a way to kind of study the framework and... Um, that, that turned out to be pretty fun. But I think what we kind of realized eventually was that we have a lot of power here uh, because we have this site that is kind of community driven. We can do a lot of interesting things with it. So I know Jesse O'Brien, he, he started a wiki and, and we just pointed a wiki.laraval.io to his machine. And now we have a wiki and, um, Julian, uh, I, it's a French name and I don't know French. So I apologize, Julian, but, uh, he created IRC logs, uh, application with MongoDB and it keeps track of everything in the Laravel IRC channel and you can search that for you know maybe a conversation you had earlier or or something somebody was saying about service providers or some other uh concept that you'd like to read up on And, and people have really kind of started uh saying oh I'd like to offer this uh so we say okay you do this and as long as you're willing to maintain it uh we will you know put it on the site and add it to the nav so it's really it's really neat that we actually have like a, a genuinely community-run site. Um, now, now something that Yarun and I are, are working on, and, and this is going to be entire. This is entirely open source now on on my GitHub account. But we're working on a public-facing API for Laravel.io. So that, it, you know, you can write apps to interact with it, or you, you can just use our app, which is uh, an AngularJS app we're building that will allow you to search the Laravel for documentation, API, forum posts, etc., Uh all in one application. So so we're working really hard to get that done. Um, the code is up on on my GitHub account, uh, github.com slash Sean McCool, and it's, it's fully open source, and it has a vagrant um, setup, so you can just... Uh, pull down the Vagrant setup and run a couple commands and, and it works on your system. And so you feel free to help us, you know, uh, update the code. It, it's, it's not perfect. I, I, I've only had so much time to put into it, um, you know, partially working and partially organizing a conference. But um, at the same time uh, we're really excited about what this is going to become. I, I really think it's going to be like the information portal for Laravel users
0: and taylor um uh, if you weren't the creator of laravel and you were just a regular user of the framework like the rest of us is there anything that you think you would like to see uh, the community come up with or
1: hmm gosh it's hard to get in that mindset <laughs> um i i just i i like to see people do things that are kind of unusual or um you know maybe haven't quite been done that way before. Um, I need to. I need to spend more time looking at the community packages. But I know uh, I've talked to a few people that are building some cool stuff, kind of like uh, paperclip and Rails. And uh, uh, there's some cool authentication packages that have been done. I really like packages too. Uh, Jeffrey Way does quite a bit of stuff to just get rid of like boilerplate code generation. He's he's done a lot of code generation type things, and I always really like those. Um,
0: Paperclip is for
1: pushing to S3, isn't that right? Yeah, like right. attachments, attaching, uh, like for instance, profile pictures to your user records or something like that.
2: Yeah, weren't you talking about a cloud a cloud system built into Laravel and DC? Yeah,
1: that's that's one idea we've had. Um, so just to kind of – let me just touch on the release process because it's kind of related. Um, if you haven't seen the Laracon videos where I talk about it, when Laravel 4 comes out on Tuesday – we that's the beginning of our new six-month release cycle. So one of the kind of criticisms of Laravel over the past two years has been that the releases are pretty unpredictable, which they have been. It's pretty much just been, uh, you know, whenever things were ready and there was no real, like, feature set that was determined. And so there was the possibility for, like, scope creep and feature creep, which made the release dates really variable so with laravel 4 to appeal more and to give more uh, stability to you know uh companies that are building on laravel 4 we're moving to the six month release cycle so laravel 4 comes out tuesday and laravel 4.1 will come out in november laravel 4.2 will come out in may and as laravel Uh, as we head into like the final month or two of this release cycle, we'll really be in more of like a stability phase where we're defining what we want in the upcoming version. And so a few of the things that we've talked about are like cloud abstraction, which there's kind of been some debate on maybe that shouldn't be a core feature, but should more be of a package thing. And I think that's kind of still up in the air. I do Right now, I think I'm kind of leaning towards that being more of an optional package you can pull in, even if it's more of like an official optional package. Um, There's also been uh, talk, which I really am still experimenting with and pursuing, is some kind of deployment system. Uh, Kind of like well, at work at Userscape, uh, where I work, we're currently using Fabric, which is a Python tool. And uh, basically, it's just kind of a, a way to deploy our app. It, it runs SSH commands on our server, pulls down from Git. It can run migrations and stuff. And I'd like to see something kind of like that in PHP. Um, so I'm still kind of playing around with that. And there's been a few other ideas. I hate, like, billing stuff. So I'd, someone needs to write, like, a total billing solution package. Whoever does Sounds that like, like a job be, for like, <laughs> Yeah, whoever does that is going to be, like my hero for a while, probably.
2: I would love a good deployment package, something that gives me tools to build my own deployment. If that makes sense, rather than like, I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't, I don't want like just a thing that says deploy and you put a couple bit of information. I want, I want to build my own deployment.
1: Yeah. So one of the tools we've looked at there for inspiration is this Ruby library called Mina or Mina. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. It's M-I-N-A if you want to Google it. And it's it's kind of like that. Like you can just list the SSH commands you want to run. And it also has kind of a uh, deployment strategy where sort of like Capistrano, it can deploy to, um, you know, like version folders based on the date. So like, and if the deploy fails, it will just roll back to your last deployment. That's nice. So I, th- I think we could have something kind of like that, but also you have the ability to just like build your own uh, deployment setup using whatever commands you want, you know, and basically we just wrap up the SSH layer for you, and that's really all we do. So, and then you could write your own artisan commands to do whatever you want. It, it wouldn't just have to be deploy. Like you could build a command to, uh, you know, SSH into your server and clear some kind of cache thing or whatever
0: probably still better than going with pagoda box
1: (laughs) yeah And, and we even we even talked about this is back to the topic of embracing the best tool for the job we even talked about well should we just use you know that ruby library but an issue we have there is it it genuinely appears to be like some kind of abandoned where like it hasn't been updated in quite a while um so but the content the concept is so simple i don't think it's I don't think it's unwise to pursue a pure PHP implementation.
0: And now I know you mentioned before, uh, I don't know if you want me to bring it up. You mentioned that you really liked rails cast and that you would yeah. like to perhaps do something with Laravel in that area.
1: Yeah. And, and that's something I'm also pursuing. And, um, I don't want to get into too much of the details, but you will see more of that. I think from me personally, not just from other members of the community, but, and, and more higher, uh, uh, more like architecture-type screencasts, which people seem to be really interested in for you know how I lay out my applications, how I test things, how I do such and such.
0: Yeah, I think they'd be really great. And they have helped a lot of uh, Rails users as well. I mean, I've watched a lot of them. And yeah. even, even when you're just using Laravel, you can still learn so much.
2: You can't yeah. watch all of them, though.
0: No, no. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: no. The, the, what I'm looking at doing is not quite like RailsCast in the sense that it won't be necessarily like an ongoing thing, but maybe putting out like a 10 to 15 screencast like course, just all in one release. More like release the Uncle all, Bob style. Yeah, more with like a bunch a, of
2: funny outfits.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, but more of like a a, a package of screencasts. Like maybe do one um soon after laravel four releases and then maybe in the fall do like another set of 10 on kind of a different area you know
0: yeah they'd be great that's pretty much following the tots plus premium kind of model um yeah they have, they yeah pretty much great just content like, lately they really do you,
1: yeah, you
2: know, know and, and i think that speaks to a lot of people because people wonder how they can kind of give back um and uh you know be, having the opportunity to give back and uh receive uh, something at the same time is is a really great opportunity.
1: Yeah,
0: definitely. Okay, great. And Sean, I know you wanted to speak a little bit about some of the meetups. You've been going to a lot of meetups in uh, Amsterdam. Oh,
2: goodness. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, all, all I really want to say is, um, you know, if you're a developer out there and you're kind of bored with what you're doing, you're tr- having trouble finding motivation, there is there is really no better way to kind of make yourself happier with the situation that you're in, that you're in than finding uh, like a, a community that you can become a part of in your local area. Uh, other people who are in similar situations, other people who are learning interesting things that they can expose you to, that you can you know talk shop with. And uh, all I really wanted to say is if you don't have a community – then find one. Come join ours. I mean, you know, we have we have a huge community, and uh, right now, I mean, in the Laravel channel, I'm looking at, there's 320 people, and it's not even a, a big day. It, it, it's not even a big evening uh, in the channel. So, so uh, come join our channel. We're, we're very interested in, in talking about object-oriented programming and design, and, you know, ask a question, get an answer, If you know, maybe read somebody else's question, and give an answer, and just kind of hang out and i think you'll be surprised at how much uh how revitalized you can be uh with with, with your you know profession
0: and Taylor, yeah, you're what, you're speaking at an event shortly is that right
1: yes i will be speaking at Pierce conference in chicago and i know um there's going to be some other people uh related to laravel there like phil sturgeon who uses laravel his uh His his job at Capture is going to be there giving a talk on composer packages, and uh, also uh, not related to Laravel, the guys or the guy who wrote uh, Statamic, I guess it would be called. It's like a, I think it's a flat file CMS type thing. He's going to be there giving a talk, so that should be a cool conference. And we're also um, at that conference. I'm not just speaking. I'm also doing like a, you know, two or three hour code workshop uh, the first morning for Laravel. So it'll be a hands on thing as well.
2: That's exciting. That's, that's really uh, – uh, sounds like a lot of fun. That's,
1: yeah. That's yeah. kind of like what um, Unity did,
0: Sean, isn't that right?
2: Yeah, Unity was uh, – the conference was great. They had a huge amount of uh, like three different areas you could go to and, and see talks. And then the whole time, there's uh people who actually built the engine sitting around at tables that saying like audio or – graphics or physics and you could just go and talk to them and I spent like most of the conference there but uh, I, I really wish that we could at, at our conference do something like that with code workshops um, but but it's it's too much of a gamble for, for uh, us right now we don't know that we're going to be large enough to be able to support that so maybe someday.
0: Alright guys well we've actually ran quite a lot longer than what we thought we would. I'd really like to thank you Taylor for taking the time out and speaking with us today. Um, Sean as well really appreciated you joining us and telling us all about Laracon EU
2: if you'd like to shrink the uh, recording down a little bit you can just remove the parts where I talk
0: <laughs> or oh, where I fumble <laughs> okay, yeah that thanks. was a lot of, it was a lot of fun I enjoyed it brilliant thanks very much guys and we'll hope to get this out before Laracon 4 is out thank you now alright take care guys bye